to be here. Glad that uh, you're here this morning. Let's take our Bibles, please, and turn to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, great to be here uh, this week, and we've had a, a good time together. Appreciate all the meals. Uh, uh, we're staying down the road, but uh, you provided us with a, a fruit basket and all, and we appreciate that as well. Mark chapter number 2 in our Bibles this morning. Mark 2, and... Um, <clears throat> We want to look at uh, a passage of scripture from Mark 2, beginning in verse 1 through verse number 12 this morning. Um, I, I want to start off with asking you a question, though. Um, I'm not going to ask you to define faith. That, that would be actually a, a, an interesting conversation if I would say define faith for me. But how many of us believe that faith is something that you can see. Raise your hand. You can see it. Wow. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six. I'm guessing that all the rest of you say it's invisible, that you can't see faith. Can't see faith? <laughs> now you don't want to be wrong. <laughs> That's all right, I know who raised their hands. I know everybody else. You can see what? The results of faith? But I can't see your faith. Now we're changing our minds. You're, you're like the Democrats. What's going on here? Yes or no? You can? All right, you guys have been reading further into the text. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And again he entered into Capernaum. Now the he is Jesus. After some days, and it was noised that he was in the house, or they made an announcement, Jesus is here. And straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was not room to receive them, though not so much as about the door, and he preached the word unto them. So there were so many people that came to hear Jesus preach that they were gathered around the windows and such, and, and you couldn't even get into the door. And they come to him, bringing one sick of the palsy. Now the, they are going to be four individuals we're going to find. We don't know their names, uh, but uh, they bring one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when he had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak, uh, speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it either easy, easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto you, Arise, take up your bed, and go thy way into thy house. And immediately he rose up, and he took... Uh, took up the bed and went forth before them insomuch that they were all amazed and
and glorified God, saying, we never saw it in this fashion. Our Father, would you please bless our time now as we look at this passage and encourage us in our walk of faith. And Lord, we want to have a faith that is visible. Lord, we want to have a faith that, that others can see. You told us to let our light so shine before men that they might see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. And so, Lord, help us to understand some things about faith and how we can make it visible. And, uh, Lord, we just ask that you'll be honored and glorified in this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I need a volunteer really quickly, if I can, please. Um, let's see. Uh, who wants to volunteer? I need it to be a man. And, uh, man, if you don't volunteer. All right. Uh, Tim, Neil, come up here and volunteer with me. Thank you for volunteering, Tim. Appreciate you. All right. I'll take my jacket off just for a second. I'll put it right back on, preacher. And um, Tim, stand this way, that way, away from me. Okay. Now, Tim, I would, I would never on purpose let you fall. Okay? <laughs> Especially not with your wife and boys here. All right? And uh, I go to the gym. I go to the gym, and so, you know, I, I, I could probably catch you. I think I could. You really still need confidence, sir. Well, no, but so far, I don't think I've ever dropped anybody. Not that I'm going to admit to. But I want you to just kind of put your arms out like you're going to fly. Man, you've done this before. You're doing great. All right. No steps backwards. I'm right here. Falling in my arms. Go ahead. <laughs> Two times he looked back. Thank you. Two times he looked back. He exercised some faith, and you saw it, because he did fall back. But not complete faith, because he glanced back over his shoulder twice. Why was he doing that? He wanted to make sure I was there. He just wanted to make sure it was going to work. Did you see his faith? I think you did, because he did exercise some faith. Jesus looked at some men who carried their friend, to him. And the Bible says that he looked at them. doesn't say he looked at their hearts. Now, I know that that's where faith kind of finds its root, but he looked at them and saw their faith. I don't know about you, but I want to have a visible faith. In fact, you know, James told us, even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Yea, a man say... Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? I submit to you that we might say, and I, 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 nothing against whoever it was that said, we can see the results of faith. I would submit to you that the Bible tells us that those works that we carry out by faith are really visible, tangible things that people can say and say, that is faith. I will show you my faith by my works. Jesus looked at these men and he showed them, or they showed Jesus their faith. The writer of Hebrews says the faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Faith 
is the substance. The, the word substance means the essence, the underlying matter, the evidence, the proof, the demonstration, the manifestation of things not seen. And so the Bible seems to indicate to me anyway that faith is something. We're so prone to think that faith is so personal and it's so, uh, so mysterious that it's intangible and nobody can ever see it. It's just something that happens in your heart. But as I read the Bible, it seems to me that God is saying over and over and over again, your faith can be seen. Not only can it be seen, it should be seen. James says, I'm going to show you my faith by my works. Some men brought their friend to Jesus and Jesus says, I see your faith. He didn't say, I see your works of faith. He didn't say, I'm looking at your heart and I see the faith in your heart. He looked at what they were doing. He said, I see your faith in what you're doing. And I don't know about you, but I want my faith to be seen. Abel was a man who, through his sacrifice that he brought to God, let his faith be seen. By the ship that Noah built, his faith was seen. David had a sling. We see his faith in that. I believe the Bible teaches us that, that faith can be seen. And here's why. That, that faith, that, that what we do in faith can be a tangible demonstration of the faith that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because here's something I don't want you to miss this morning. If you don't get anything else out of this Sunday school lesson, get this. What you believe will always dictate how you behave. What you believe will always dictate how you behave. Tim probably thought I could catch him. But he wasn't 100% certain I was going to be right there. So twice he looked back over his shoulder. You're okay. I don't want you to have your faith in me. I want it in Jesus. Now, if Jesus were looking, standing there and you look back twice, you and I would have a conversation later. <laughs> but your faith, what you believe, is going to be played out in how you behave. And that's what we see in this text. And that's why I think Jesus, we read in the text that Jesus saw their faith. And so, as we look at this, and we come to this text... And we're in faith, promise, missions, giving. And we want to see your faith. These cards are going to be tangible proof of faith that we're going to exercise, that we're going to carry out all year long. And as missions giving comes in all year long and the offering is given and it's reported week after week, and I don't know if you report that in the bulletin or not, but if it is in the bulletin week after week, you will see faith right there. Tangible evidence of it. The lights on the board, tangible evidence, not only of missionaries who have gone by faith, but the ones you are supporting by faith. How did these men show their faith? We're going to move through this pretty quickly. But how do we get to that place where we can show our faith? We want to notice a number of things from the text this morning quickly and see how do we get to that place where others can notice our faith? I don't want others to notice me. I really don't, but I want them to see Jesus, and the only way I know how they can see Jesus is to follow the scriptures, 
Let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father which are in heaven. So I don't want them to look at me and say, wow. I want them to look and say, faith. Now, where is that faith? It's in Jesus. So I want them to see that so I can point people to the Lord Jesus Christ. How do I get to that place? Number one, I see like these men, we're gonna have to have right priorities. Right priorities. Think about this. The Bible says that when Jesus got there, it was noised abroad that he was in the house. Uh, in other words, hey, Jesus is here, and everybody says, hey, we wanna go see. And there were some, no doubt, who came to experience a miracle. I can imagine that some came to be healed. We know that there were some who came out of the sincerity of their heart just to hear the preaching of Jesus. There were some Pharisees there who came to find a, a, a fault with Jesus. They were a lot like the crowd that comes to church every Sunday morning, just a group of people, some with skeptical attitudes, some with sincere hearts, some looking for God to do something in their heart, and some with just kind of apathetic, well, this is something to do. So there's this great crowd and these four men come, and it's good to come to church, by the way, and even if you come with an apathetic attitude, just we're going to pray you'll, you'll leave with something better than that. But these men came with a different purpose. They said, hey, I've got a friend that's got to get to Jesus. That's the right priority. And, and, and we shouldn't be selfish with Jesus. Look, at you. thank God you're in church this morning. We are commanded as Bible believers to be in church, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, and so much the more, I don't understand people are cutting their services as you see the day approaching. But isn't it great when you come to church and you're bringing a friend? When you're bringing somebody else, we need to hear preaching. We need to be around the fellowship of believers. We need to be encouraged and exhorted by the word. We need the uplifting music. But there are people in our lives who need to meet Jesus. And they came with the right priority. Jesus didn't look at the whole crowd that came to hear him preach and say, Wow, I see your faith. He looked at four men that brought their friend and said, I see their faith. They had right priorities. Number two, they redeemed the time. They redeemed the time. What I mean by that is they didn't sit around just kind of saying, well, looks pretty full. We'll get, to, we'll get to our friend of Jesus another time. Well, maybe tomorrow will be a more opportune time. It's going to be difficult to get him over there. Maybe we do it a different time. When we were living in Quebec, the price of gas could go up 50 cents a gallon in less than an hour. There was no rhyme or reason to it. It could just, just like that. And when the news got out that gas was on the rise, you stopped what you were doing. My language teacher, I'm sure in her other life, was a Marine drill sergeant. And she was reincarnated as a, as a language teacher. You didn't miss class for anything unless gas was going up 50 cents a gallon. She would call class off. We would get out and drive and go fill up our tanks. 50 cents a gallon makes a big difference. Especially on a missionary salary. We were redeeming the time. 
You know, it's important that we learn to redeem the time. Because what is your life? It is but a vapor. It appeareth for a moment, then it vanisheth away. I had a friend that I worked with in the prison system. His name is T. When I got saved, I began to witness to T. And he was, by his own, by his own words, was an atheist. He was really angry with God that he didn't believe in. I'm always amazed at how atheists are angry with God. <laughs> but he was really angry at this God that he didn't believe in. And uh, I tried to witness to him. He didn't want to hear anything. And, and I mean, for years, I witnessed to T, and he didn't want to hear anything. He didn't want to hear a thing. I was really burdened for T. But we got transferred. I got transferred, and we separate ways, and didn't get to work with him again for a while. And, uh, and then the, the Lord brought him back to the place where I was working. And uh, I began to witness to T again. But he didn't want to hear anything. He was adamant that he was angry with that God he didn't believe in. And then all of a sudden one day I got a phone call. It was the end of my shift and I was trying to get to Bible college. And uh, uh, my first class was going to be with Dr. Harvey Sumner who's in heaven today. But if you ever had a class with Dr. Harvey Sumner, you know something. You don't show up one millisecond late. And three lates and you repeat the class. And I already had two lates because I was late from work before. T calls me at the end of shift. He says, can I talk to you? And I'm like, oh, man, I got to go. <laughs> he says, uh, yeah, just, uh, uh, I said, can, can we talk on the phone? He said, no, I need you to come down to my post. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll go. And I, I, I ran down to where he was. When I got down there, he pointed to his desk. And on his desk was a, a track, a simple plan of salvation. He just pointed to it. And I looked at him. I said, wasn't me this time. He said, oh, I know it wasn't. He said, but I don't think it's there by coincidence. And I said, no, I don't think it is either. And for the next hour, I gave him the gospel. I went to school. Don't know, you know, T listened. That was it. It was the first time I ever witnessed to him, and he didn't curse at me or yell at me. Went to school. I thought, well, surely Dr. Sumner will exercise some grace. He didn't. I didn't have to repeat the class, though. <laughs> but he let me know I was late, and there was no good excuse for being late. Well, a few weeks later, T walked into my office, and he pulls out of the pocket of his pants down here a little Gideon Bible. And he goes, hey, I want to read something to you I read. And I said, hey, when did you start reading the Bible? And he said, oh, you remember, you remember a couple weeks ago when, uh, when you came down and, and talked to me? And I'm thinking, yeah, I remember. I got chewed out for it. He said, oh, well, what you didn't know was I had a plan that night. His, his brother had just died. His father had just died. His wife was divorcing him. His life was a mess. He said, I had it all planned out. He said, I arranged for my wife not to be home when I got home. The gun was by my bed. And I determined at the end of my shift, I was going home to blow my brains out. He said, but then you talked to me. And I heard the gospel. When I got home that night, instead of getting the gun out from by my bed, I knelt by my bed and I asked Jesus to save me. 
We live busy lives. And we always think there's going to be a more opportune time. It was not easy for these men to get their friend to Jesus. But time was of the essence. They redeemed the time. You want your faith to be visible? You're going to have to redeem the time. You're going to have to have right priorities. Number three, you're going to have to regard the need for unity. Do you know how hard it is to carry a person on a stretcher? I think only Pastor Shot in this room can remember this incident. Do you remember whitewater rafting on Katahdin? <laughs> Do you remember hiking Mount Katahdin? <clears throat> Do you remember when Joe Coe woke up and couldn't move and we thought he was having a heart attack? You should have seen four of us trying to pick Joe Coe up and get him in a car. It was a mess. If these guys were four independent Baptists, they would have tore the stretcher apart going their separate ways because they were arguing with each other. <laughs> you got to work together to carry somebody on a stretcher. And you got to voluntarily submit your will to let somebody be the leader. You got to let somebody call the shots in what direction you're going to head. You've got you to decide that the cause we're working for is greater than myself. You're going to need to recognize and regard the need for unity. I don't think sometimes we recognize how many people are involved in bringing just one person to the Lord. Years ago when I was in Quebec, uh, I got invited to a, a missions conference down in Philadelphia. And um, uh, I, I went down to that conference and the church in Philadelphia, the, their, their missions uh, apartment was being taken up. So a church down the road let me stay in their missions apartment. Imagine that, a church, another independent Baptist church, helped that independent Baptist church house their missionaries. Actually, that's happening in this town this week, right now. They didn't say, oh, well, that's your problem. And then there was a, another missionary there from another mission board. And Pastor Schott said it right. He said, you know, there are other mission boards, and there are a lot of good mission boards out there. Um, we like, you know, I, I say this, not a BIMI statement, but BIMI is actually the largest, and in my opinion, the, the best. So I would say to you, why would you go to the mission field in a, Volkswagen when you could go with us in a Cadillac. But, uh, you know, uh, that's just a joke. There are good mission boards out there, and uh, they're doing a great work. And we actually work together with them on a very regular basis, and, and I help other missionaries from other mission boards. And, and there was another missionary there from another mission board. And guess what? We became friends. And he said, hey, this church where we're staying in this missions apartment supports me. Let's go see the secretary. I just I want to drop off a note. Now, I would not have gone and seen the secretary. I don't know anybody in this church. While we were down there, she learned that I was serving in Quebec. And she said, Quebec, she said, do you know anybody in Drummondville? I said, oh, I do, yes. She said, well, I was just up in Quebec at an Expos game with my family. And we met a, a, a family that we gave a track to. And I think they're interested. And I think if somebody could reach out to them, they might get saved. So I said, listen, I've got two friends who are working together in ministry in Drummondville. If you'll get me their name, I'll get it to them. 
How many people is that? My missions director called me and said, hey, come to this missions conference. A church has me in. Another church is helping. Another missionary introduces me to a secretary who met somebody in Quebec so that we could reintroduce somebody else in Quebec. I don't know. That's a lot of people. So that they could knock on their door and give them the gospel and see people get saved. You're going to have to regard the need for unity if people are going to see your faith. Jesus isn't in the habit of employing lone rangers. We're called to strive together for the gospel. We do too much striving against each other. We're called to strive together. I'm not talking about compromise. I'm not talking uh, getting and, and hooking our yoke to those who don't believe the Bible and those kinds of things. But hey, listen, if somebody's preaching Jesus... If somebody's telling people about Jesus and they're right on their doctrine and, and, and they're, they're just doing their best to serve the Lord, I'm going to be for them. I figure if Paul could be for those who were against him and preaching Christ out of contention while he was suffering in prison, he said, hey, I still rejoice. I can be for people who are preaching, for, preaching Jesus as well. Regard the need for unity. The world, a lot of times, doesn't want anything to do with us because they look at us and say, you're always fighting with each other. But then notice this. They, they remained anonymous. They remained anonymous. You know, when Jesus looked down, he didn't look down and see four name tags. They didn't say, hey, Jesus, make sure you get our names now, here, and here's our address. In all of the text, in all of the Bible, we have no idea who these men are. We listen to a song who supposed this, the songwriter has supposed that he knows who these men are, and it's kind of a neat song, and we'll listen to it, but, but the truth of the matter is the songwriter has no clue who those people are because God doesn't tell us. But you know who does know who they are? The only one who really matters. Our God who is not unrighteous to forget our works of righteousness. And you and I are going to have to learn to just kind of be content to remain anonymous if we're going to let our faith be seen. Because really, as we're demonstrating faith, it's not about me getting noticed. I said that at the beginning. It's about people noticing Jesus through me. And then notice number five, they had to be resolved in their effort. Resolved in their effort. Do you know how many excuses you can come up with for not being a soul winner? It's too hot, it's too cold, it's too rainy, it's too sunny, it's Tuesday, it's Wednesday, it's Thursday, it's Friday, it's Saturday, it's Sunday. I don't have the gift of soul winning. Nobody does, because it's not a gift, it's a command. <laughs> when, when, I, when we were in Arizona, my son and I like to play tennis. You know what I noticed when it was 115, 120 degrees out? We weren't the only ones on the court playing tennis. There were other people playing tennis. Now you walked off the court looking like Lot's wife, like a pillar of salt. But you know what? You're going to do what's important to you. You're going to do what you, you make time for and get to, what is an important priority in your life. These guys were resolved in their efforts. 
Nothing was going to stop them. Didn't matter that there was a crowd in the way. Didn't matter that they had to carry a stretcher. It didn't matter that it didn't make sense. It didn't matter that people were going to be upset. I've got a friend who's got to get to Jesus. That's what mattered. That's how you show people your faith. And then number six, be resourceful. How many honestly would have thought about tearing the roof off the joint? In a million years, I wouldn't have thought of that. We got to get to Jesus. Nothing's going to stop us to get, from getting our friend to Jesus. Well, how are we going to do it? The door is blocked. Check the windows. The windows are blocked. What are we going to do? Rip the roof off. It makes perfect sense, right? By the way, where did they get the rope or whatever it was that they lowered the stretcher down on? Did they come prepared? Did they carry duct tape around? You know, I, I, uh, we were leaving for this trip. We're on the road for like over six weeks. And, and uh, last, one of the last things I put in the car, I said, no trip is complete without a roll of duct tape. You know, I'm prepared. I can fix just about any car problem with a roll of duct tape for at least a little while. I don't think they had a roll of duct tape. I don't, I don't know how they did it. I just know they found a way to do it. And, and you and I are going to have to, if we're going to reach this culture and this world with the, with, the, with, the, with the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're going to have to start thinking out of the box. Now, I'm not talking about contemporary services, and I'm not talking about following the world, because to, be, to make a difference, you have to be different. But I am saying that we don't have to live off of dead man's visions either. That we live in a different culture in a different age. And there might be some things that we could do a little differently. We had screens on our, on our walls at the church in Arizona. There were people who said, you're a compromiser. Because you got screens on your walls. I said, I'm just putting Bible verses up there. No, 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 no. Only a compromiser would do that. I said, I think Paul would do it. <laughs> we had a, a tent that we could bring to the park and, and gave away free pops and, and water. Hey, you know what? Water and popsicles in Arizona, they go pretty fast. But if you took a popsicle or you took a pop, you had to get a gospel track too. I'm not talking about compromise. I'm just saying, listen, let's figure out ways to reach people any way we can as long as it doesn't detract from the glory of God. I think that's what Paul meant when he said, look, at I become all things to all men that I might by all means win some. He never compromised, but he was willing to think outside the box. Not only was they resourceful, but they, uh, they were ready to pay the price as well. They were ready to pay the price. Somebody was going to have to pay to fix the roof. And there's going to be a price to pay to exercise faith. This card, we're asking you to put a dollar amount on it so that missionaries can go. We're going to need some people who are ready to pay the price. I'll give you two more. I'm done. I think I'm actually over time. Um, what time do I have to be done, preacher? Oh, I got tons of time. Number, whatever number we are. Um, seven, thank you. Uh, no, seven was ready to pay the price. Number eight, refuse to quit. 
They refused to quit. Think about it. There were so many obstacles in the way of these people. All they want to do is get their friend to Jesus. And can I tell you that if you're trying to get somebody to Jesus, there are going to be obstacles. Because the devil's not going to let you win that fight easy. Why don't you just decide by the grace of God, I'm not going to quit. Refuse to quit. I'm just going to keep on going and keep on going. Hey, you know what? It took me probably five, six years before T got saved. And he cussed at me a lot. And he was my partner. And I had to worry about whether he had my back or not. But when he got saved, it's all worth it. Refuse to quit. I don't know anybody who ever served Jesus by quitting. And then number nine. Number nine. In the end, when Jesus saw their faith, they were rewarded. They were rewarded. They had right priorities. They regarded the need for unity. They remained anonymous. They were resolved in their efforts. They were resourceful. They were ready to pay the price. They refused to quit. But in the end, they were the ones who were rewarded. They didn't get any money. They didn't get any accolades. Their names aren't even recorded in one of the genealogies that you skip over in your Bible reading. We don't even know who they are. See, how'd they get rewarded? Their friend got saved. That's the reward. Paul said to the church at Thessalonica, you're my crown of rejoicing. You're my reward. Because you got saved. When Barnabas went down to the church at Antioch, the Bible says, here's another thing you can see, by the way. You can see faith, you can see grace. Because when Barnabas got to the church at Antioch, it says he saw the grace of God. What did he see? He looked out in a church just like I'm doing right now, and I see the grace of God right before me. And I'll tell you what, that's a better reward than your name in print or some money in your pocket. They were rewarded, their friend got saved. Hey, listen, one question and I'm done. Who has seen your faith this week? Pastor, however you want to close.